This is Discussions on the Firewater Network, where we talk to those crafting the future of the spirits industry. And now, here's your host. Hi, this is Zachary Farley. I'm here at the Candela Micro Distillery with the founder and CEO of the Candela Micro Distillery, Mr. Bill Candela. Hi, Bill. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you. It's nice having you here. Yeah, well, I appreciate your time. So, Bill, what I really want to talk to you today about is why you got into the distilling business, where your award-winning Y-Town Vodka came from. So my first question is to you, and briefly, what does the world need to know about the Candela Micro Distillery? Well, we started out about three years ago. It took about a year and a half to get all the paperwork, find a building location. You think when you read, first read about it, that's going to go quick, but it doesn't work that way. When you deal with the government, with the local government and everything, it, it goes kind of slow. Uh, I retired from the phone company after 40 years. Sounded good at first. After about three months, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, just sitting around. Just sitting around, getting, gaining weight like everybody else when they retire. So then I decided, so I got to do something. So every time my brother and I would go golfing, that's what we did. We got up, went to coffee, went golfing every day. After you got your handicap completely reduced to zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was time to try something new. Uh, no, there's a couple of lakes out there that has my ball. And it was just like a, a big joke between us. One would say, bet you can't make it over the lake. You'd never make it over the lake. Yeah. If somebody didn't say something, you'd make it over the lake. And that was one of those deals. So um, we talked about it. We talked about a winery at first. Uh, good friend of ours is a big juice dealer in the area from the East Coast. There was too many of them around. Everybody's a winemaker. We looked at uh, doing beer, but I didn't like the process and that. It took too long. You had to have a chill room and all that. And I go, yeah, I'm not a real beer drinker, but I do like dark beer though. So then uh, one day we're sitting around. And I says, uh, what about distillery? I says, uh, one of my friends called me up and says, did you ever think about distillery to change the laws in Ohio? I go, I see grandpa was a bootlegger. <laughs> Our other grandfather was a bootlegger. Maybe it'd be nice to do it legally. Give it a try. <laughs> Let's see. So this is a Tommy gun free operation. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. No no Tommy guns. You yeah. see the sign out there, no guns allowed. <laughs> My brother put that up. It was kind of a joke. But every day we'd go golfing. And I kept telling him, let's do that. Let's do that. So he always thought I was joking. Then one day I come and toss a set of keys to him. I says, we have a building. So he goes, we do? So, yep. <laughs> So we sat here after we got our first deal in because you have to have everything in place before they allow you to apply for the license. So we bought every book we could find on distilleries, anything that had to do with distilling. We'd look at every magazine would come up. We'd read every article. We'd go talk to people. After we went and visited a couple that were in business in Ohio, at that time I think it was maybe three or four and they were real nice. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, did you have any trouble scheduling uh, discussions with people who were already in the business? Are people secretive, or were people willing to talk to you about it? They're a little secretive. They don't want to give up everything, you know. But I can understand that. But the couple that were in Ohio down on Columbus were very nice. They took us in. They, they gave us a tour of the place. They answered you know, a lot of the general questions. Uh, I didn't push for anything that was like their secret recipe or anything like that. A lot of it's not really that secret. It's the ratio. Anybody, you know, 51% is like the, the golden rule for 51% corn, 51% rye, depending on what kind of whiskeys you're making, or 51% juniper berries if you're making a gin. So, you know, then after that, it's whatever you want to add to it. And some people do it all. I've seen all kind of mixtures on it, and it's to somebody's taste. I may not like it, but everybody else might like it. Sure. One thing you've said to me while we were discussing off-air was how you're doing everything your way. 51% is the golden rule, but you wanted to do your way differently, do something what no one else is doing. What, what is Y-Town, and how does Candela do things differently? 
Well, if everybody went one way, I always went the other way. I was always one of those kids that never followed the crowd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I always did things my way, go a different way, because I always thought there was a better way, making a better mousetrap, I would mm-hmm. say. So I went out and read about it, and then we tried. So we went to a local state store and tried a couple things, and I decided I wanted to go in vodka. There were some people making vodka, but they weren't making as much. You know, they're just making to make it, and everybody's making the whiskeys and the bourbons. Nobody was really making gin or the vodka. So I figured, well, I'll go, I'll go that route. Yeah. Uh, take a little bit more, you can buy more equipment to do it. It's not the, it's a little faster because you can, as soon as I make it, I can pretty much sell it. Mm-hmm. No aging is required. Yeah, yeah, no aging is required, like sitting on the two years for a bourbon. Because I still laugh every once in a while, like we talked off air, is somebody just starting a distillery and they got five-year-old uh, aged bourbon. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the count. How's yeah. it Yeah. Jeez, my watch says, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, everything we make is handmade. It's just like I showed you those uh, first four bottles. I sat here at night. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the squeegee putting everyone on the front and back? And let me tell you what, that was a pain. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have a 400-man crew here? No, uh, it's, it was just me and my brother. And then sometimes my wife would come in and help put the shrink wrap on the, the safety seals and put them in a box and take up in the car 25 boxes at a time, <laughs> pick up another 25 boxes of bottles and start all over again. So, you know, it's, it's a work of love. It's uh, something you got to like doing. I'm not a person that can sit around and do nothing. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that's how that started. So uh, getting back to your original question, though, uh, I started looking at how everybody was making it out of grain. It was called neutral grain spirits. We had a little trouble with the TTB on that because they kept wanting me to put neutral grain spirits on my bottle. I go, it's not a neutral grain. It's pure cane sugar. Wow. And so that's really what separates you. That's how you're doing it your own different right. way is your vodka is made. Pure cane sugar. All the other processes, which you're doing, you're taking potatoes, we'll say, we'll do this potato. You're taking that, you're making like a soup out of it, pulling the starches out. Then you pull that starches out to get to the sugars to make alcohol. I go straight to the source. You can't get any better than pure cane sugar. It's already there. It's already there. It's ready to turn into alcohol. And then somebody else said something to me. Uh, I had a guy come in from Russia. He tasted it. He goes, after he tasted it, he goes, that is some of the best vodka I ever had. Well, high praise. Yeah, that was high praise for somebody who knows has been in this country for a short period of time and he knows his vodka. And then uh, we got two medals and awards for our stuff at the ADI in April. You know, by your peers, is about 40 judges, blind tasting. So that has to say something. What were those awards that you got? We got for uh, best of class and best vodka. Wow. How did they classify you? Well, there was... Um, in the class in the vodka, they break it down. It was by uh, the base with neutral grain or other. Uh, seeing how we make it from uh, pure cane sugar, they call that other. Okay, whatever they want to call it. As long as they give me the medals. And, and the, <laughs> <laughs> it looks good hanging on the wall. The best, yeah. <laughs> and everybody likes it. Um, and we've been converting people over, too, because we'll have people, they'll come in and they go, well, I never drank vodka. And then I have a, a screwball or whatever with it. And I go, well, do you ever taste the product? So when they come in there for that little tasting, and they're allowed to four quarter ounce shots, I get them to taste it on the rocks, either frozen, we keep it in the refrigerator frozen, or in the, we have it uh, room temperature. I have them taste that a little bit. Taste the product. See what you, why we got the award for it. What does it taste like? You start mixing it with pop and everything else, you're tasting the pop. You, you can mix it with anything. It doesn't matter. So that's what we try to educate the people on is 
Taste the product first, then mix it with something. At least you know what you're buying. I mean, you go out and you buy a car or something. You go test drive it. You get the color that you want in it. You just don't, I just give me a car. Just give me a car. Or even my grandmother's were in the catering business. Same thing, they come, people come over, they taste the cookie to see what the cookie tastes like or something like that before they buy. So that's basically what we're trying to do, educate the people on it. That, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make these products. There's a lot of room for other distillers. It's just that you got to have a dedication to do it. And don't be buying stuff that's already made for somebody else and trying to put your name on it. I mean, that's not a craft product. To you, what you're doing here is craft. It's all by hand, all with by family. Hand. Yeah, you come here on Saturday and Sunday. You come here at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'll take you up on that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll see how it's all, it's all done by hand. Yeah. And then the week, when I'm here by myself, usually during the week, till my brothers show up on the weekends, you know, I got a lot of busy work to do. Okay. There's endless paperwork, I'm sure, that needs to be done. That's and... a little brother's job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got little brothers. <laughs> yeah. So your family still talks to you. Yeah, yeah they still talk to me, still come out and help. <laughs> Now. That's a good family. Yeah, we're waiting till the day that we actually pay ourselves. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. So this is a work of love. So this is a work of love. <laughs> work of love. I think it really comes through here. So what's been the most satisfying part then of owning and operating your own distillery? When was that aha moment that made you happy, that made you proud to be doing this? Well, getting awards kinda of helped. But after you you know, you had people come out there and actually like the product. Yeah. They go, Man, there's no burn to it. That I never tasted vodka like that. And people don't know come up or email you. We've had people call from California, Florida. In fact, I, this one guy called me three times last week. He's been trying to get some out to California. He went to a wedding in um Maryland. A friend of mine stopped by, was going to a wedding, took a half a case out there. Well, this one guy and his wife, they drank two bottles. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Hopefully not while driving when they got No, there. <laughs> while they were out there, you know, yeah. at the wedding. He goes, well, we want to replace those two bottles. How can we get it? And plus, we want to get some for ourselves. I said, unfortunately, right at the moment, we can't sell to you. Unless you got somebody flying out there, they can take six bottles. I think it's six bottles now. Depending on what airline, you can put it in a hole and take with you. Got it. Okay. So we got another woman who was here last week, was going to Florida. She come up. I told her to check with the airlines. It's four to six bottles. Take it down to Florida. They were up here for a vacation. People stopped in and tried it, went for the tour. They loved it. But they took down to them. It wasn't that long ago. It's all gone. It's all gone. <laughs> Wonderful. So, and then, um, like the T-shirts I have on, is another good story real quick, is my sister-in-law was down there from Fort Myers. We got a lot of family there. It's amazing how many people from Fort Myers and Naples are from Youngstown area. So she went down there with the shirt on and my, my niece and nephew. She goes, I got 36 shirts sold for you right now if you can put the word Youngstown on top of them. I said, when do you want them? <laughs> when do you want <laughs> you got I'll it. send them out FedEx tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So I went down to the local t-shirt shop around the corner. Uh-huh. I says, give me 48 of them. <laughs> yeah. oh, my put Youngstown on the top of it. We sent them down there and we changed our catchphrases from our still to your lip. But what we did for that round of shirts, we put on there, Youngstown, my town, my vodka. Wow. So we always try to have a catchphrase. Yeah, sounds like it. And so it sounds like not only is this a craft, something that you keep in family, but it's also you are engaging a lot of local businesses. We try to do everything local we can. If I can buy it local, I'll buy it local. The steel is the one thing that we had to buy. We buy that from China. The price was good on it. The stainless is quality. I would have bought local, but what it would have cost me to buy the stainless and build what I want local it was just way out of sight, not something that I could afford at the time, so you know, I had to pay for everything. So um, we went that route, and it's been a good relationship with the company that we're dealing with, so we, I formed a good relationship with them. And uh, I'm really proud of it. I mean, 
couple of local guys here that do stainless steel work in that. They said that's some of the best stainless they've seen. They go, we've seen a lot of bad come from China, but there is places that make good. But you pay for it, though. How did you find that relationship then with, I think a lot of people look at who want to get involved in the distilling business. They see all the options that are out there. How do you pick the right steel manufacturers? There's Germany, there's local U.S. It's very capital intensive to make that purchase. How did you find the right dealer to go through and the right uh, equipment to use? Uh, a lot of research between 12 and 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I used to work midnight shifts most of my life, so that's my time I'm up. Okay, so you were up already. It's not a yeah. sleepless night. It's your no, productive time? I, yeah, it's just my productive time. I've always been productive designing stuff or whatever at that time because I have no distraction. During the daytime, I'm distracted easily. I want to go flying. I want to go play golf. I want to go look at cars, do something else. Anything but cut grass or paint the house or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to do the fun you stuff. You want to go out and do fun stuff. Yeah, so sitting down and doing internet research, not fun stuff necessarily. Yeah, you know, from 10 o'clock to 6 in the morning is usually a boring time anyway. So, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, you have no distraction. Gotcha. So you kind of mentioned it, how you get the word out. You have your t-shirts, word of mouth. Ohio is kind of a unique state yeah. in that the state controls the stores that actually sell the product, how the product is actually put on the <laughs> shelf. <laughs> So that puts you in, as the producer, as somebody who wants to get your brand out there, it puts you in a in a unique spot because you can't pull some of the same marketing tricks that other people get to pull in other states. Uh, no. Uh, how do you get the word out? What is your marketing plan? How do you, when someone goes into an Ohio liquor store, how do you get them to look for uh, Y-Town and a Candela product? Well, right now it's been word of mouth. About a month ago, we got picked up by Heidelberg Distributing. They're in the state of the state of Ohio and Kentucky. We let, mostly myself, I guess, I did a lot of the groundwork in the mornings. I'd get up early in the morning. I'd be heading out of, out of the house at 8 o'clock, driving over to Akron, Canton, Cleveland, heading down towards Columbus or somewhere, somewhere where I can get back by at least 1 o'clock. And then we got good hours during the week. I'm open from like 1 to 5. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good working hours. You know, when you go visit and talk, I like to talk a lot. Sometimes mm. my wife says I talk too much. But, <laughs> but I go in there. At least she's talking to you after having to put on all those labels and everything. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, you got to be a social person to sell your product, go into a bar or something, and deal with people and talk to people. And I don't say deal with, that's probably not the right word. But to talk to the people, to get your product out there, get them to try to taste it and stuff like that. So you kind of have to be a people person and talk a lot. So you get one or two places a day and it was going slow. In the state of Ohio, they give you like about four state stores that you can kind of pick out. That's not guaranteed you're going to get those four or five. It's usually right around where you live. And then uh, as you develop and you sell more, they'll give you maybe another state store. When you get the broker, the broker kind of breaks it open because they have to go around and sell throughout the state. So they have to make sure that all the state stores can get it. So without a broker, I mean, it, it's rough. And, you know, rightfully, they don't pick up everybody. I mean, we were after them for a while before they picked us up. Once we got the medals, I think the gold medals and that, and my persistence a little bit, and, you know, showed that we had a good product. I'm going to taste my product and that. They love my product. And I uh, showed them a couple other things coming out that we weren't a one-horse show. You know, I didn't bother them. We talked, called them up every once in a while, see what's going on. You know, I was not knocking on his door every day. You know, the guy's yeah. got other things to do. We're just uh, a small you know, needle in a big haystack. So for them to pick us up was a good thing. And that's where it's at. You know, it's, so it's, the, the distributor doesn't come to you. You have to go out. You and, have to pursue them. Right. You have to have a good product. Because like when I talk to them every day, and my little brother works for a distributor too, and, you know, they get hammered every day with somebody trying to give them something. So, you know, they got to look at it. Can you fit it into their scheme of things? 
Is it that good? People coming after it. How many of you sold? Do you have? Well, when I went to them, I already had built up to a local state store around the corner from here, Chalet Premier. They were like my number one backer. They sold, I think, like a thousand bottles maybe already. Wow. So I was building up a track record there. The other guys coming, he said, hey, these guys got something going on over here. And I went and visited a couple of the other places and people tried to go, hey, I think they got something going on. So then once, you know, I didn't go to the convention out in Washington. I was working here and uh, so I couldn't go. And then uh, I didn't see anything. I, I checked on the internet. I said, <laughs> oh, crap, I didn't get anything. I don't even see my name and my product on it. <laughs> and all of a sudden somebody calls me that night and he goes, hey, Bill. You won two medals. Oh my God. <laughs> I, go, I hear I was complaining all along. <laughs> so from now on, you're not going to jinx yourself? You're no, gonna... <laughs> I'm not jinxing myself. Maybe I'm not going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll wait till somebody calls or something. But I will go to the one down in Kentucky. Kentucky. Next year. Yeah, next year. Hit the bourbon trail on Hit the there. bourbon trail. Why not? Yeah, you have to it's go a work there. expense. You have yeah, to go. You, yeah. you got to go see it. See how they used to make it out in the woods. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit more smaller picture uh, discussion really quickly. I know one of the hardest things to decide on is what your product is actually going to look like because you can work on your formula, you can work on the flavor, but ultimately you have to have something on the shelf that jumps out at the customer, somebody who's not been introduced to your product before. So your bottle design, how did you come up with that? Well, I did a lot of research on that. I found out who all the bottle makers were, seeing what kind of bottles they were making. And I was looking, my idea always been on it from my company is old meets new. So that was part of my idea of what my company is about, old meets new. Prohibition meets new, new one now, newer age people that you were through there, I want to say that. So I was, didn't want a brand new fancy bottle, all this fancy stuff on it. And when I was going to school for art to become an architect at one time, which didn't happen because of the Vietnam War. But anyways, I was always taught, taught kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Okay. And uh, so I was sitting there again at, late at night. It was uh, That design came up with a bottle of limoncello. Mm. Yeah, really? <laughs> bottle of limoncello in a pen okay. sitting, sitting there. And uh, I found them. Inspiration was going to hit somehow. Yeah, that, it was yeah. going to hit. But, you know, I was trying to go to sleep that night. And all of a sudden, I just woke up. Like, I had this idea because I remember looking through all these bottles. I said, I saw one that I liked. It was different. It looked antique. Uh, I called them up. They sent me a sample of the bottle. So I got the bottle in, uh, decided on the cork. And then I go, this is a nice bottle. Now we got to put something on it. And I said, we said, uh, my wife and I were talking. I said, well, why don't we call it Wine Town? I said, that's cool. Wine Town for Youngstown. I said, it's got a nice ring to it. So I played around with that. And uh, I was looking at a couple different whys and all that. So then uh, I was sitting there again in the middle of the night. And I come up with this, come up with the design of the Y I like. I go, I just don't like the Y on it. It's missing something. So I put the town underneath. That looked a little bit better. And I go, my wife comes in. She goes, now you could probably, what's it going to look like if you close the top? I go, let's try that. So I closed the top of it off. I says, man, it looks like a martini glass. <laughs> it, do, it really does. So I go, hey, I kind of like that. So I did that and I redid it, changed the Y up a little bit more so we see the one little spot to the um, left side there. <laughs> So when I did it like that, just a little bit, so it looks like it's shadowed a little bit. I said, no, that's looking pretty good. And then I changed the, uh, where it says town up a little bit on that. And uh, so that, somebody goes, well, how do you read this? Why town? I mean, what else do you want me to tell you? And it keeps it simple. So uh, it made it look real simple. And it was a clean look. Because, I mean, there's a lot of nice designs out there. When I go to uh, a place, that, a brewery or something, they got all the different flavors of all the beer. There's some nice designs out there, yeah. but some of the stuff is too, how can I say this here? There's just too much on it, too much information. You have about, every program I've ever watched or class I ever took, you got 30 seconds to buy with your eyes. So in that 30 seconds, you got to win somebody over. 
And we tried it out to a couple bars. When I came up with the original design, I taped it on there. It looked like crap. Took it and put it on a bar shelf and took pictures of it amongst everybody else's. And uh, just wanted to see what stand out. People walking around, what do you see on there? I see that white tail on there. What do you see? I see the wine top. It was jumping out at everybody because you got the clear bottle with just the wine on it. Everybody else's has too much information. Just so it. much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. They look nice. I like them. Absolutely. I love the artwork. But what are we sell the artwork or are we selling the product? I'm selling the product and not the artwork. And your logo really seems to fit with the, the aesthetic of your logo and your bottle seems to fit with the ethos of your product itself. Right. Clean, simple pure and to the point. And then, of course, our catchphrase is from our still to your lips. <laughs> and that's how the red lips come about. Okay. And which is actually taken on like a, a product of, of its own or I should say a brand of its own. Really? Because when I came up with the Kindle Maker Distillery, I was like looking at it and I go, it looks nice, kept the, the micro in, in lower caps. It looks nice, but it's missing something. And then uh, and my wife, my nice Put some red lipstick on. What do you want to put red lipstick on for? I go, just put that red lipstick on. Okay, kiss the tank, uh, the uh, napkin. She says, what are you doing? Know Don't worry about it. Go back to bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I come up with it, and that's how that came. When I started playing with it. Okay. So your, your wife was the lip model yeah, uh, basically. for the logo. Okay. And uh, so we started playing with it, moving around different areas on the shirt. The white shirt we had was on, like off underneath. And then finally I got a, a place that could put it on just like this. Uh, so the name kind of runs over a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it took about three generations to get that down right. But everybody saw the lips. As soon as they see the lips, oh, we love that. You tell them the catchphrase, oh, that's pretty cool. We love the lips. We love the lips. So it's almost like we have three brands out there. We got the white tag. Yeah, we got the lips, and then we got Kendall and Micro Distillery. <laughs> but really, Kendall and Micro Distillery is not a brand. That is the manufacturer. Our brand is actually Y-Town. Y-Town is the and, brand. And the red lips is just something to catch somebody's attention. Because as soon as they see that, they love it on the shirt. Women love it on the shirt. So, you know, like some of the women's, we put the, with the V-neck. And when we put it on, some of that stuff on it, like the Y-Town on the, uh, the sleeve for them, they love it. So, you know, that's something that's really picked up. I mean, I had no idea it was going to catch on like But, you know, it's... Hey, if it sells, I'm happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you go. So the secret is limoncello, a pen, late night work, and a whole lot of market research and being not being afraid to try different things. Yeah, being at a little table, desk or whatever, in a room with a little light. Yeah, a little limoncello, a little thinking, a little more. <laughs> and some outside. And then, and then it's good to have that outside perspective too. Someone to come in and say, you know, it just needs something else. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not afraid to take other people's uh, comments and their input. Well, we have, we tell people come in anytime during the week if they want, but we rather that they come in like on a Saturday when we're most of us here. And I can take time and take them over there into our little test area where we have like a little tasting area. So I try to tell people, be honest with me. If you don't like it, tell me you don't like it. Tell me what you don't like. Just because you know me or something, or you're here, you're tasting it, you don't have to say that you like it. I cannot improve my product or anything or design if you're not being honest with me. You're not hurting my feelings. Believe me, I'm never, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, mean, I can care less. I don't like on stuff like that. I don't, I don't care. I'm trying to make a good product. You want to make a good product. Yeah. And you, yeah. So my feelings don't come into it. You know, you might go somewhere, somebody might show up with something that's, you know, yeah, right, whatever. But you can't take it to heart. They're trying to tell you what their tastes are like. Everybody's taste is different. Not everybody likes it, you know? Yeah. And I don't have any problem with that. If I had nobody come in there and make a complaint for any little thing or everybody just, we love it, we love it. I'm thinking, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's, what's wrong, you know? Because 
it just doesn't happen that way where everybody, 100% of everybody's going to like it. Right. If they're honest with you, there's going to be maybe 95%, 99%, but there's got to be at least 1% that doesn't like it. Sure. I mean, it everybody's being honest. So, yeah, and, and, and so you also have to be able to take what is good, criti- what is good criticism yeah. for you to move your product forward, and sometimes it's just people, not everyone's going to like your product, right. like you said. You know, and I had one, like I told you before we started, it's the one guy showed up, oh, it doesn't taste like Chirac. It doesn't take like, uh, what was the other one there? I can't remember the name. Great Goose. Yeah, Great yeah. Goose or something. I go, what's it say on the bottle? Like, uh, vodka. I said, well, how my brother, bro, I told, like I told you, I had him come out with a new bottle, open it up. What's it say? Like, what's in the bottle? I rest my case. Okay. It tastes like White Town Vodka. Yeah. That's what you purchased. That's, That's what, what it was supposed is. to taste like. It's not supposed to taste like anybody else's. <laughs> to develop your product, how did you find the right supplier of your pure cane sugar? Was that a hard process to find? Because you know, there's so many people who make grains, and there's so many grain manufacturers to choose from for people who go in that direction. Or even, it's not as simple as, you know, only one person imports sugar, for example. How did you find the right supplier? Well, you know, it's you got to go out there and try, buy little packages. You see stuff here and there. So you buy maybe a five-pound bag or something, or two, whatever you can buy. You buy small. So you spend a lot of money in research. You know, you know it's, it goes to research, but you got to try it because you don't know until you tr- actually sit down and try a small little batch whether sure. something's going to work or not. Like you see over there where I, my little lab, I try all kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. I mean, some work, some don't. Yeah. Some people like it. But I mean, I don't like it, but we're not going to go with it because there's not going to be no sales of it. So that's in that case, we're starting a program. We're going to have, if somebody has about five, six people, we'll put together a little group. You'll come in the other room there, and we're going to teach you how to infuse and make your own flavors and that because I don't want to do like the big boys where they're coming up with all these flavors, and then you're stuck with all them flavors that they don't sell. We're a small crafted. We're trying to make the best vodka that we can make, and most of our stuff is based off of our vodka Everybody else is making what they want. They're doing. They're doing a good job. Of it. Everybody has their own way of doing different things. And there's a lot of good stuff made here in Ohio in the micro distillery business. It really is. I'm glad to see it coming. A lot of them are trying to use local products, but we're just trying to be that little different than what everybody else is doing. We listen. Anybody has something, they have to say something. Tell me what's wrong. What did you think? What didn't you like? What did you like? Why did you like it? Why didn't you like it? And you're making a product that you like. Right. You know, you're not trying to make a product that the market likes. You, you know, you hope the market, obviously, you want to make a product that sells, but you're making something that you enjoy and it's something yeah, that. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, you, but you have to be honest with yourself. Not everybody's going to like what you like. But growing up, like I told you before, growing up in the catering business, both of grandparents in it, you learn how to satisfy most of the people. It's like, for uh, example, my grandmothers would make the spaghetti sauce. Now, we're in a strong Italian community over here, and a strong Greek and Slovak community. So everybody is an expert on making spaghetti sauce <laughs> and the pierogies and all that. <laughs> yeah. But what did you do that was different? See, everybody else makes it, but you're trying to make something that most people come in there are going to like it. It's you know, like the spaghetti sauce. My grandma's making about 95 people Percent of the people liked it. Some other ones say, "Oh, that's not my spaghetti sauce." You know, yeah, I don't take it like making it like that. Mine don't have the cheese. Well, go home and have it. Go home and have it. Then, yeah, this is the way it's made here. This is here. We have to. We don't put all the spice in and that because not everybody can have the spice. So you try to find that like a medium spot. It's there somewhere. You just got to find it. Sometimes you find it right away. Sometimes you don't. But you try to stay there. Try to satisfy as many people as you can without making two people pissed off. (laughs) 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 I guess that's one way to put it. No, that's fine. Now that you've been running your distillery for a couple of years and you have a product on the shelf and you have fans and you're developing new products, looking back, what's the one thing you wish someone had told you 
before getting started that you wish you would knew? Have more money? <laughs> yeah, okay. well, I mean, that's fair. That, that's that's a common thing that people say. You, you take how much money you think it's going to cost, and then you double it, just as one rule of thumb I've heard. No, that, um, that's very true, because you know what? When we first started out, and everything worked the way we wanted, we had a real nice reserve of cash. Unfortunately, you know, you put together your business plan, it's a guesstimation. I mean, that's all it is. It's just a guess to try to see, like you said before earlier, to see if you know why you should be in business, what kind of product, you know, whatever you're going to come up with to help you steer away. Should I do it or should I do it? What's the break-even point and all that? It looked good at the time. We allowed about six months of time of aggravation that's not going to go through. Things aren't going to go quick. Unfortunately, that turned into about a year and a half. And it was everything that was out of our control. And then, then that goes to TTB paperwork. Is well, TTB this- wasn't that bad. The only yeah. thing we had one little problem with them was just like um, about calling it a neutral grain or a neutral spirit. A, a, a discussion over definition. What is yeah. a vodka? Does a vodka have to be neutral grain? Or because you're using sugar, can you still call it that? And they do have a tough job to do. I mean, to be honest with them, they have a really tough job on some of the stuff. What do you call it? They're doing the best. Uh, they're kind of undermanned, to tell you the yeah. truth. They, they really are. So they're doing the best they can. You know, some people get aggravated. Hey, every time you go, it's a change. Maybe it might be a month. But, you know, they're doing the best they can. And I don't have any problem with dealing with that. I a lot of time, yeah, do I wish it would go faster sometime? Yes, I do. But it's reality. Do I get upset about it? I I really don't get upset, you know. You can't. The guy's trying to do his job. Like you and I talked off, off air here about our jobs and some of the people, what they would say to us and that, hey, it's a, it's a job. We got a job to do. We got rules that we got to fall by. If there's something we can do for you, yeah, we, you can push the envelope a little bit. But people aren't always realistic. They think, oh, I know this. Hey, you got a good guy. They're understaffed. They're trying to do their job. So you, you go with the flow. It was ultimately your decision to enter a highly regulated industry yeah. where the government has a role in it. And I pretty much knew what I was going. What I was getting into. I didn't really have blinders on. And there's a couple things that might have popped up that uh, I might have overlooked and. Uh, it's my fault that I might overlook that, uh, but it's hey, it is what it is, and I just I just deal with it. It's all part of the process. It's part of the process. We try to follow the letter to the law, and it's a fun family business. We come in here, we have a good time on a weekend when everybody's here working. We're turning out a good product. People like it. We got a couple other products that uh, people have come and taste. We have them come in and taste it, see how we can tweak it. One of our new ones we're coming out. We're yeah, let's waiting. talk about that. What is kind of coming down the pipe for Candela? What the label's all done is our apple pie moonshine. Oh wow! So that's coming out. It's going to be in mason jar. Everybody likes the mason jars. We had three different jars. We had people vote on it. Oh, did you? Okay, very yeah. democratic. Everybody was voting for the mason jar. So I was thinking we'd go with with a different bottle just to be different. Everybody wanted I got outvoted on it. I got to go with the people wanted. You know, I thought here, everybody thought there. So, hey, that's what everybody wants. That's what we want. Actually, it was cheaper anyways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Yeah, Bonus. it was cheaper. Yeah. I saved some money. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, the formulas we're putting in the formula right now, we, we tweaked it. We made four or five little batches of it. It's come out the same every time, so... Now I have to this coming week here, or this week or next week, get it on to the TTB, send it in, and uh, wait to see what happens on that. So we're if we can get it out by November or Christmas, I'll be happy. Okay. And so your apple pie is um, because I'm looking around and I don't see 300 stills available. So you you work with one base product, your your vodka, and so your apple pie then is going to be based on the vodka that you're already making right, right. now. Right. We do the uh, we cut ours with um, 190 proof vodka. Okay. Whoa. 
Yeah, because you don't have to put the money. If you cut it with 80 proof, you got to put a lot of vodka in it to, to get it to where you want. Because people don't realize, okay, we say it's 80 proof, and uh, you have a 750 bottle of 80 proof. You take another, you have a product of 750 proof. So as you put it in there, you cut that in half. It's no longer 80 proof vodka. It's about 40 proof now. So when you're doing big batches, if you start with the 190, you can get it at that 40 proof that where you want to be. So when it leaves here, you know, we get paid for it. it. Doesn't have to go to the state stores. Okay. We can hit more people with it. More stores can sell that because that's a little proof. We tried higher proof. There's a few people, you know, the old crowd. Oh yeah, I want 150 proof. <laughs> you know what? It's like going out and getting those atomic wings. Yeah, you can do it. Try it, but. If you really want to enjoy it, I want to go down and sit there with friends. Like, say, you and I were sitting down in a bar or something, going out with friends. You want to be able to enjoy it. I don't want to take one shot and then be out laying there so sound asleep the rest of the night. So we found out between 20 and 40 proof of our testing seems to be the range that most people like it. The women love it there because it's not overpowering. So that's where we decided to go. So I guess on the point of going out to bars, like you mentioned, how has owning your own distillery changed the way you go out to a bar or a restaurant? Is it a little bit different now that you are in the industry? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I sit down and uh, I want a martini. Do you have white town vodka? No. Honey, let's go. <laughs> you don't buy my white town vodka? I'm going to another restaurant. <laughs> it's reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm coming here trying to support you. At least support, support me. me. Yeah, exactly. Buy one bottle. That's how you do it. Buy one bottle. Look like they're supporting me. And then go back to their bar managers. This guy, is, everyone's asking for this white town vodka. Yeah. yeah. We won't go there on a couple of those things. <laughs> okay, well, that's very fair. But no, actually, we have, uh, there's a place downtown Youngstown. They make beer, the Rust Belt. Turn out a nice product. They're local, they're small. They turn out a really good beer. They carry our vodka down there. They were carrying some other liquors and that, but they're no longer carrying them. Or beer, they carry just stuff that's made in Ohio. Wow. They did away with everything else that was on their shelf, and they're going strictly to stuff that's made in Ohio. And our white town watch has been selling down there pretty good. Well, it's, a, it's a testament to how the craft industry is booming in Ohio, then, that this yeah. restaurant can, can do that. They can say we're only going to buy from Ohio manufacturers and have no problem, ha- have a full bar stocked. Yeah, well, there's more and more trying to do that. That's, I don't know if that's the, the new in thing. Everybody's trying to be you know local, do local stuff. It's nice. Whether yes. it's a fad, I hope it's not a fad, because there's a lot of good local products, stuff, stuff made. It's fresher. Yeah, it's in season sometimes, and it's out of season. But that's the thing. When it's in season, you enjoy it. When it's in season, when it's out, it's out. You know, some of the stuff that you're getting from all over, it's been frozen for so long, it doesn't taste that good. But we have control over our stuff. We make it with a little bit of love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of it. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, a couple <laughs> pizzas, and, you know. <laughs> All right, but well, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you so much for giving me the time to talk to you today and really showing me your operation. And I can't wait to try some Y-Town, and I, I'm going to go and do that right after this. So everyone else who's listening, I recommend you do the same if you, where you can find it. And where can f- people find uh, your Y-Town vodka? Uh, first, I want to thank you for coming. We appreciate you coming here. We had a good time with you today. Basically, at all the state stores in Ohio, well, say Mahoney County and that on the East Coast here, up towards Cleveland, Heidelberg is trying to get into all the state stores they can. And you know it's you know it's one state store, one one case at a time, however you want to put it. So we're still growing. We've been on the shelf for about four and a half months. We're still growing. You know, every month, you know, the numbers are getting going up. We're selling more product as they put they're pushing the product. So if you go to any state store around the Youngstown area, a lot of those are giant eagles. If you can't find it at a giant eagle because they've been buying up all the state stores, you want to go to Chalet Premier. 
which is right around the corner for me. Normally when people come here, yeah, I could sell it out the door, but they've been so good to me, I send everybody over there. Because they're right, they're very close. They're very close, and I don't want to take bread out of their mouth. They've been helping me, so one good favor deserves another. And besides, you get to do all the paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have no paperwork. I don't have no paperwork. (laughs) You're not paying your little brother enough to do all that? No, he ain't getting paid. I give him a pizza on the weekend. (laughs) A cup of coffee. What more does he want? Okay. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Best wishes. Thanks a lot, Zach. Come again.